0: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Performer on Record, uh, the official podcast of Performer Magazine. We're happy to have you back. This is episode five, and we've got some really cool stuff coming up. Uh, First on the docket is our latest interview with our cover artist this month uh, for the print edition, Ben Queller. Uh, He's back with a new record. It's on Coke bottle green vinyl, which is really cool, and we've had a chance to listen to it uh, front to back, and it's really awesome. Ben's a great songwriter. Uh, We had a really cool conversation. We're going to share a snippet of that, Um, but you can read the entire interview in the latest issue and online at PerformerMag.com. After that, we'll take a quick break, hear a word from our sponsor, and then we've got another interview with our previous Elixir Strings Artist of the Month, Town Meeting. Uh, they're a really cool americana rootsy rock band uh, from here in the Boston area, so it's a nice treat to talk to a group that's uh, sort of local to us. We don't get to do that that often. Coming up, looking ahead to the future, uh, we've got a special edition of the podcast coming up before the end of the month here uh, with our Holiday Buyer's Guides. We'll feature a ton of new products that we got this year uh, that we recommend uh, across all categories for live audio, pro audio, recording gear, musical instruments, all the stuff that we recommend. So we'll get that out, hopefully, for uh, Black Friday sales time. Uh, And then looking even further ahead... Um, We've got another print issue on the way for December, and then we'll see what the new year brings. Before we get to the new year, though, let's uh, take a moment and thank our sponsors. Uh, This podcast is brought to you by our premier sponsor, Elixir Strings. We only use Elixir Strings here at Performer because our protective coating keeps our strings full of life better than any other brand we've ever tried. And when we're reviewing stomp boxes, amps, and recording gear each and every month, we don't want anything distracting us from the job, like the hassle and expense of constantly changing out our guitar strings. And we know that you don't want anything getting in the way of making your music either. So say goodbye to corrosion, dirt, sweat, gunk, and oil buildup with elixir strings. Their proprietary featherweight coating acts as a great barrier against tone-killing buildup on guitar strings allowing you to get lost in your music for more information head to elixirstrings.com check out our youtube channel for more demos and uh, stay tuned in the future for a lot more real world playing from artists just like you uh, on all of our social media channels now back to the show And we're back. A bit of bad news. We are expecting a vocoder uh, here at the office shortly. And I was planning to annoy everybody and do the entire episode's voiceover using the vocoder. But it looks like that's not going to happen. So instead of delaying this episode getting up online, uh, maybe we'll have a special treat for a future episode. uh, An entirely vocoded episode uh, after which you will all probably write in with furious hate mail uh but you know what i gotta have some fun so anyway before i uh ramble on any further uh let's cut it there let's head over to the ben queller interview we'll give you a snippet of that uh and then we'll catch up with you before we head into the town meeting interview so here we go we'll kick it over to ben well uh thanks for hopping on here i appreciate it
1: yes of- of course, man. I'm I'm really psyched to talk to you. Um, and I was, I'm assuming that you guys are PerformerMag.com as well,
0: right? Yes, correct. Yep. Yeah, because I um, it's just funny
1: because uh, as a total DIY uh, indiepreneur, as I've been calling myself, <laughs> I thought of that over COVID. I'm like, I'm a fucking indiepreneur, dude. Um,
0: <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm gonna go ahead and steal that word from you unless you've already trademarked it. Isn't
1: I, like I it. think it's pretty good. I coined that shit. Right. Yeah. Um, but so I, I went when when Kenny uh, said, "Hey, performer Mag, let's talk to you." I'm like, "Oh, right on," because I uh, have heard about it. And then I went to the website and immediately saw some nerdy things that I'm like, "Ooh, I gotta read that article about uh, key insurance concepts."
0: You insurance. know what we we try to make insurance fun.
1: <laughs> well, and you sure you sure did. And I also enjoyed that you got to you got to kick out of the word Inland Marine much like myself back in 2002 when I first had to get Inland Marine insurance for the first time.
0: I yeah. And, uh, it's it's an odd so one. <laughs> I appreciate you what you guys are doing because
1: it's very much uh The world that I live in, because I love, one of my favorite things is mentoring other artists as well, and I've been able to do that with The Noise Company, which is my label and management company, and, you know, there's like, you know, real world situations and and things that are otherwise super boring that we have to deal with as musicians if you're going to make this a career,
0: you know? Well, I think think you mentioned something something important, which is is if you're going to make this a career. career, Because I like for a lot of bands who get into this and they think, oh, it's all going to be fun and games, trashing hotel rooms, and they don't really understand that this is a business and you have to treat it as such. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. You know what yes. I mean. Oh,
1: yeah. I know. I totally know. And uh, that's um, that's that's really, like, the, the number one thing that I first tell up and coming artists when they come to me and they're like dude like how do you do it how do you you know last in this world and you know and keep making the music you want and all that and my kind of main thing is well I I first say like if if you're good at something else like you might want to pursue that (laughs) you know at first just to see um but you don't have a backup plan, and music really is like the thing. Then, like now, you're talking, you know, yeah. because that's kind
0: of how it has to be. So, like do you do you think it's detrimental for artists to have sort of a, a fallback? Does that mean that they're maybe not as committed as going, you know, full steam ahead?
1: No, I don't think it's detrimental. In fact, I mean, I think a fallback is great because the, ch- the you know chances are music as your primary is going to be very difficult yeah. you know and i've had lucky breaks you know here and there but i've been so freaking persistent you know um and i really never i don't know i there's there's so much to it and every every artist is so different because like yeah i i came up in a in a much different time as well you know like i in, there wasn't social media in the early two thousands, you know, like when when I was coming up in New York, and it was like me and the Strokes and the Moldy Peaches and like that
2: whole sort of garage revival yeah. thing that was happening. It was really just
1: like stapling flyers to lamp posts, you know, in you know.
0: So how are you like, di- how are you distributing stuff back then? Because I seem to remember getting like a hand burned CDR of your stuff, maybe in like. 2000 or 2001 or something
1: yes yes i mean that was it it was totally that was burned off of my first macintosh computer i had a blue and white uh power mac pro okay power um i wanted the imac one of the fruity colored iMacs, but the guy at the Apple store, or whatever the store was, it wasn't even an Apple store, I don't even think they had Apple stores
0: yet, no, no. it was
1: just a computer store, <laughs> <laughs> and and he said if you do music, you really gotta get the tower, you know, cause you can like upgrade the megabytes and all that, you know, and at the time it probably seemed really fast, it's only like, you know, a few gigs, like, you know.
0: Yeah, I I remember those old G3 towers with, like, a 300 megahertz processor. That's it, dude. Power PC. It had the little hinge on the side you could open it up. That was
1: it, man. And I burned, you know, discs. Um, Well, it was kind of crazy because, you know, before, like, in my previous life, of which I've had a few, I feel like, at this point, like, it was my band Radish. Um, when I was a teenager and when I moved to New York in 99, technically we were still signed to
0: Mercury Records. Yeah. So you had label support behind you, right? At that point? Well, Radish did. Right. Radish
1: had label support for one album. Okay. And then we wanted to spread our wings and I wrote this complete opus. It was a double album, 18 songs and delivered it to the record label and they didn't know what to do with it and Mercury got bought by Poly, Polygram or Universal got, Universal bought Polygram some yeah. big corporate merger happened and there were all new people that came in and no one wanted to do anything with Radish because they were like, well we didn't sign you it was the old regime that
0: signed you that happened so um, often <laughs>
1: but they were like, but you know, like Maybe we can do something with you. We'll see. And so it was kind of the typical major label, like sit around and wait. Yeah. And so I eventually got frustrated with that. So I started recording my own songs on that blue and white Mac. <laughs> and I burned CDs. And the first kind of quote unquote real one was called Freak Out. It's Ben Queller. And that one I actually mass-produced, like, made a thousand of them. Yeah. And that's the one that got in the hands of Evan Dando, which really was kind of, he was, like, the first connector that really kind of changed everything for me. And, um, because up until that point, it was all just music industry people that were kissing my ass and just, like, sitting, like, you're, like, the next Kurt Cobain, you know, and all this bullshit. But when Evan got a copy of the CDR... It it was actually, like, this artist that I respected and looked up to me, finally recognizing. So
0: was that, like, real validation for you? Exactly. Cool. Exactly. And since then, you've been pretty much uh, DIY for for the most part. Is that right?
1: Yeah. So pretty much. um, Pretty soon after that time, like, around that time, ATO Records was uh, starting up and... They, one of the founders of that label, Michael McDonald, not the Doobies, but I, I was about um, to say, not, the, not, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, he came up to me at a gig, actually, that I was playing with Evan Dando and Ben Lee, and said, "We're starting a record label with Dave Matthews, and we really love the CD, and we'd love to, you know, talk to you." And so I basically signed right away with them. Like the day that I signed the release papers for. Radish, I signed as a solo artist to ATO.
0: So, from one thing to the next.
1: <laughs> exactly. And then we went on to, obviously, put out Shasha, Sha and then On My Way, and yeah. Ben Queller, and then Changing Horses. And that was it really, at that point, I, we decided to move to Texas, my wife and I, and we had our first son, Dorian. And my deal was up with ATO, in 2008 or 2009.
0: So this was after the self-titled record? record.
1: Correct. Self-titled was 06. Yep. And so I did one more. I had one more record with ATO, and I wanted to make this country record. And because, like, my whole life, I, you know, would always write different songs and kind of put them in different buckets. And every once in a while, a country song would pop out. And... So I would, like, I always, I had had this running list, country album, <laughs> and and then after self-titled was done, I'm going through my notes, and and I was looking at the country album list, and I was like, oh, shit, man, I should just, like, record these, you know, and um, I, I did my first four albums in New York City, grew up in Texas, thought it'd be nice to kind of get out of the city, and, and obviously, if I'm going to do some... Country music, I might as well get back to my homeland, yeah, <laughs> of Tejas. And so, we actually rented out Spoon Studio in Austin, which is one of my favorite studios here, and recorded Changing Horses. And at that same time, uh, you know, I, I knew kind of in the back of my head that it was the last album with ATO, yeah, according to a contract. Um, and did Changing Horses, had a great tour, like, toured all over the world on it. It was really fun to sort of introduce a bunch of these, like, indie rocker kids, like, my fans, <laughs> into, like, the pedal steel and, like, Dobro. <laughs> Give them a little twang. You know, and everyone was like, wow, like, you're making country cool. Like, how did you do that? You know, I'm like, country is cool, man. Um, and so, did that. And then after that album cycle, just. We kind of had to sit down together, me and Liz, and like my team at the time, which was really like two other people and and Kenny as well, mm-hmm. and um, just decided to start our own label.
0: No, did which, you did you have any lingering issues with ATL, or you just felt it was time to do your own thing?
1: It was just time to do my own thing. Yeah. I love ATO, I'll always be an alumni of ATO. <laughs> I mean, I was I was their first signing, I was their first worldwide signing. Yeah. They licensed the David Gray album, which did so well for them, and that really was like their infusion to like really go kick ass as a label, you know? Yeah. And uh, so I was their first signing, and that'll just always be something that we'll both share together, you know? and. Um, it just was, I just wanted control, you know, I wanted to know, and, and I wanted to, I'm a very inquisitive person. I, I like to know how shit works and the behind the scenes. And, um, even if it's ugly and dirty on the inside, I want to see it, you know, and I wanted to know that like, if something's going to fail, Like, I at least wanted to fail on my own terms and know that we gave it our best shot instead of just being another artist sitting on the sidelines, hoping that someone else is going to make something happen on my behalf, which I felt like at that point I had been doing, you know, for many years at that point. So
0: can I ask you something about making the transition?
1: Yeah, of course.
0: Is there anything that you missed? going from having that label support to going and starting your own label and doing the recording stuff yourself? Is there anything that you feel like you got from ATO that you didn't have initially on your own that was that was a good thing, that was a positive thing?
1: I think a positive, yeah. Uh, I think what comes to, I'm sure there's many things, like if I sit and think about that overnight, sure, I'll get sure, back sure. to you on it. But um, I like right off the bat, I think it's just that sort of, that, that sense, well, you know what it is? It's like when you do peel back, I don't know what the term is, when you peel back the curtain or the yeah. mirror or whatever yeah. the term, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. Like when you peel all of that back and you realize that it is just like any other business, there's some of that
0: allure goes away and so, and sometimes that's a little sad.
1: Yeah. Um, I think, you know, there's, something beautiful about like just being an artist and you know flying overseas to Japan and like knowing that just shit's taken care of and things just seem kind of automatic and so there is something really fun about that but also you know as you grow up and as you just learn how the world works or if you try to run any business like a lot goes into making that automated
0: Vibe. Yeah, happened, it's not as easy know. as it looks.
1: <laughs> exactly. And so, sure, like there's there's things that I loved, you know, about being on a label, but the what I'm what I've a, what I'm able to achieve, like with my team now, and like really being like a business owner, as cheesy and horrible as that <laughs> sounds, like I'll take that over anything else
0: any day. So, what was the first thing you did on your <laughs> own? Email? Was that go fly a kite? <laughs>
1: Yep. Okay. Black
0: height. And that almost brings us up to present day. I mean, that was only a couple years ago.
1: I know. I know.
0: So I've got but to. Changed. I've got to ask the big question. Uh, twenty twenty has been kind of a cluster for most people. How have you been totally. holding up? And, and is that kind of what spurred the new record, or was it already in the works before the, the new world?
1: The record was already
0: in the works. Okay. Um.
1: Yeah, like, I was actually gearing up. Like, 2020 was going to be, like, super kick-ass.
0: <laughs> Did you have a tour planned like everyone else? Gonna, exactly.
1: <laughs> um, I had great touring stuff Oh,
0: planned, no. And, like,
1: through the summer. And, um, and actually, perhaps biggest of all, like, what I was most excited about was I was flying to England to write with Ed Sheeran for his new album. Oh,
0: boy. And that got canceled.
1: Dude, I was supposed to leave like March 20th. Oh no! It
0: was right, right when everything when happened. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so anyway, that of course that was actually the the biggest bummer for me personally, just because I was so excited for that. Sure. You know, and, sure. and he's such a he's a great writer and a great friend, and um, just to you know to, that that invite meant the world to me. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll make it happen again. But, um, but yeah, I mean, there was a lot. Um, and then, but it's kind of funny because, and, like, me and Lizzie were kind of laughing about it last night. Like, because everyone obviously is asking, like, how's the music business, you know? And <laughs> it's almost like
0: we're so used to reinventing the wheel. I know. <laughs> COVID's just another fucking thing. Well, that's a thing. When everything shut down, who were the first people to pop up with a new business plan? It was all these bands doing live stream concerts. They're like, all right, I gotta make a buck somehow. Exactly. I know. They're like, I'll figure out Zoom. Sure. Yeah,
1: I'll figure it out. Exactly.
0: (laughs) So, were you able to record before things shut down, or have you been kind of recording since? Okay.
1: So, yeah, I, I recorded, hey, actually, hold on real quick. Let me grab something. Here I am. Okay. Um, yeah, I recorded the album right before, I finished it right before the lockdown. Oh, okay, that's good. And I was able to, and I got it mastered during the lockdowns. Um, cause that was easy. The guy that always masters my stuff is Howie Weinberg. He's out yeah, in LA and
0: He he does everybody's
2: everybody's uh, I
1: love him. And at this point I can just send him stuff and I don't even give him notes anymore. He <laughs> just knows what I like to hear and <laughs> it's just he's a beast. Um and so yeah, so he mastered it over uh COVID and but you know, like another thing even before COVID happened, like another reinvention of the wheel is sort of like this new incentive, like we're we're incentivized, or being disincentivized to release albums, which is kind of like a really weird thing, but it's, I'm sure you've noticed it, like especially with the way Spotify works. um, You can really like whenever you upload music to Spotify, you can submit one track
0: to editors. Yeah, well, I noticed a couple weeks back, or it might have been a month or so ago, like a new Ben Queller single pops up on my Apple Music feed. I'm like, oh, right. okay, well, that must mean a new album's coming, or maybe not. Right. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a string know. of singles. Well, so, maybe it's just that. Okay, well, so here's, like, for all your readers
1: who are interested in, like, the behind-the-scenes stuff, yeah. which uh, there are more than ever, we have more DIY musicians now, and bless them all, you know. Um, basically, the way it works is, you know, you... You, you can submit one track to, to editors and you hope to get playlisted. And that really is the new name of the game is getting on playlists yeah. And so about a few years ago, when this became clear that this was how the DSPs the digital service providers were basically conducting like their business, like all the hip hop artists and pop artists were like, well, fuck, like, why would I upload my whole album to you if I can only send, submit one song from right. it to Playlist? If you're only going to listen to one song, why give you my whole album? I'm just going to keep giving you singles. Yeah. Yeah. And so that really is like a big reason that we're back in kind of the single culture, which in a lot of ways I love, man. Like,
0: I'm I like, mean, I, I love single. Really I, like I love just stacking up a 40 40 bunch of forty fives and just yeah. running through them. You know
1: yeah exactly dude and it's you know it's it's kind of cool i I dig it i now i love the album as an art form i'll always love albums and there's nothing like a good album but i'm afraid like the attention span of people is just diminishing every day so Mm. um well which kind of brings me to what how i'm rolling out circuit boredom
0: Which are you doing it like one track at a time
1: well, um uh, so I have done I, I've done, you know, a single here and there and yeah. I'm building up basically kind of dripping out singles. But I'm releasing physical first. Okay. So so we just announced the vinyl.
0: Yep, so the vinyl order. The vinyl comes out in October, right?
1: Yes, sir. So vinyl drops October second and and hopefully so that's kind of I, I, they're on track for October 2nd but I know it's been kind of rough at the vinyl manufacturers like during COVID so, so you're
0: getting that pressed locally?
1: yeah so the, we, here cool. in Austin we have a new we have a vinyl plant
0: that's really cool so who, who's doing that for you?
1: it's called Gold, they're called Gold Rush okay. records and uh, they're here in Austin and found, uh, the woman it's like an all woman run business Karen, the owner, she used to work at Google, in Google Music, so she was like,
0: she comes from a complete digital background, yeah. yeah, and
1: similar to kind of the story behind my new album, I mean, her whole thing was like she was set up with digital, so she went <laughs> completely the opposite way. Um, and so the way that I'm, you know, dropping Circuit Boredom, which is basically, as just sort of become this album all about the lockdowns in a lot of ways because all we are doing is staring at our screens. So I'm basically trying to push the vinyl out to give my fans something tangible and real, and then we're going to drop the album digitally on the DSPs on January 1st to slam the door on 2020, (laughs) literally at midnight when everyone's awake will
0: be live on all the Very DSPs. cool. Yep. Ho- hopefully it'll bring bring us better luck in 2021 than we've had this year. I know. I know, hoping so. So, that's that's awesome. Now, how um did the recording process differ for you at all from your previous work? I know you were able to do it pre-COVID, but was there anything different this time around or, or was it kind of the same process that you like? The process was um
1: It was similar to how I've recorded things in the past. Um, But, you know, it was actually, I guess as an album, it was a little different. Because basically I recorded it with me and my drummer, John, who is, uh, he was actually the drummer in Radish. That's
0: John Kent, right? John Kent, yep. And we,
1: you know, there's, there's like a much longer drawn out story to this. But basically, long story short. We put out Go Fly a Kite in 2012, toured around, actually got nominated for a Grammy for the artwork, which we didn't even know was a thing, but we got to go to the Grammys, like, had an amazing year. My family goes on vacation in New Mexico, and Liz wakes up in the middle of the night, and is like, Ben, get up, something's horribly wrong, like, I feel really sick, and. So I stood up and fell to the ground immediately, and like we were all feeling like we're dying. Long story short, it's carbon monoxide poisoning.
0: Oh jeez. And
1: we were in this little cabin, like on the top of a mountain in New Mexico, and the ambulances finally arrived, and we go to the hospital for days. We're on oxygen, like it was a nightmare. And so, and the doctor's like, "You guys were 15 minutes away from not waking up. Oh, like geez. it's a miracle, really." And so, I get home, and I'm just, I called Kenny, I called Jackie, now my booking agent over at Paradigm, like, everyone on the team, like, I'm done, cancel everything, like, I almost died, and, like, I just, I don't want to leave the house, I'm just fucking done, you know? And so, weeks turned into months, months literally turned into years, I don't know how it happened, but I just was so depressed, and had serious PTSD from this
0: experience, I didn't
1: want to I didn't want to tour I didn't want to record but every once in a while I'd write a song and so it would actually give me, like, every time I'd write a song I'd be like, whoa, okay, so like my old friend songwriting, it's still alive, you know and, you know, like, so good to see you, Mr. (laughs) Songwriting and so At
2: some point, I'm trying to think the year, but at some point, my friend Dwight
1: Baker, really great producer, he's got a band called The Wind and The Wave here in Austin. He called me up, he's like, dude, I know you've been like super depressed, you don't want to do shit, like I get that, but I also know you have all these songs, just come to my house, to my studio, and let's just fuck around in the studio for a day, just see what happens, because maybe you'll just have fun, you know? Like, he was
0: just trying to help his friend out, basically. Yeah. So
1: yeah. I'm like, yeah, dude, all right, cool. Let's tomorrow, I'll be there tomorrow, you know? And so I went over there, and we started recording stuff, and I was like, oh, my God, okay, this feels good. Meanwhile, John Kent, childhood bestie, moves 30 minutes away from where I live in a little town called Marble Falls and I'm over here in Dripping Springs. These are all sort of little like outside like the woodstocks of Austin. We right. Like right, the hill right. country. And we have a barn on my property and that's like the future recording studio. Um, but I basically called up John I'm like, hey, let's like set up the drums and the Marshall Stacks just like for old time's sake and see what happens. So he comes over and I had just written the song Stars, which is a new one, and we start jamming it in the barn, and I felt like I was 15 again, and I'm like, okay, like, I can do this, you know, and so John and I went back to Dwight, and we just, like, booked two weeks and banged out this album, just him on drums, me on guitar and singing live, um, and then... We added bass and you know all the other instruments, and sure. I called in a okay. bunch of friends to sing backing vocals. So um, I've never really made an album as a duo, but basically I did for this one. Um, and I've I've done
0: you know I've definitely done recordings that way, especially with John in the past. Yeah.
1: But as a, for a Ben Queller release, yeah, this was kind of a first.
0: What well, sounds like John and Dwight John gave you kind of the the boost you needed to get back on the horse.
1: Yes, exactly
0: were you were you ready or were you kind of still apprehensive getting back in I w- I got more and more ready as time went
1: on yeah. and like really really started feeling it um so yeah I uh I it, it, I was ready it was great good um you know, and then the album's done and we're, you know, making plans for, like, how we're going to release it and all of that, and we start holding to our dates and yeah. all that stuff, and then COVID hits. <laughs> yep. yep. So, yeah, um, and but that's been, uh, going back to the reinvention of the wheel, like, it has been really inspiring. And, you know, the, the biggest, one of the big bummers for me during COVID is because I live way out in the country. Yeah. Our internet is horrible out here. Yeah. So I haven't been able to really participate in live streaming like most of my peers. Um, and so I was at the same time talking with a friend of mine, Steve, who owns the Continental Club in Austin and all the clubs have been hurting so bad, as you know. And so we basically just like Noiseco just started building a ticketing platform and like way to do like video embeds and sell tickets behind the paywall and so we started doing live streams over at the Continental Club and so I did that I did a live stream for my fans and it was fucking amazing
0: that's good so you go to the club and set up a show
1: so I did a show from the club. So, like, that's kind of the whole thing. Like, all of my friends are like, dude, look, I'm just, like, live streaming from the couch, you know? Look, it's awesome. And I'm thinking, well, I wish I could do that. But then I was like, but you know what? Like, fuck that. Like, that's actually, like, not helping anybody in the music, like, ecosystem, you know? Um, so I was like, there's got to be a way that we can, like, support venues, support sound people, video people,
2: you know, yeah.
1: designers, like guitar techs working again, like, you know, so um, it was cool. It, it really That's was awesome. a big success. I just did that like two weeks ago. That's like, awesome. Uh, I,
0: I know there's yeah. some stuff floating around in Congress and there's those Save Our Stages petitions and things, yeah. it's going to be a tough road back for the live industry, for sure. Oh, for sure. I mean, there's cl- we're, we're based out of Boston, so... There's clubs here that have already announced permanent closures, which is it's tough to swallow, you know. But I don't know. We'll see how things shake out. Yeah. But you know, it sounds like you're doing well. It sounds like you're uh, you're staying positive, which is great. We've had a lot of different responses from artists. There are people who are really down and not feeling creative and there are people who are the exact opposite who are like look this is a time for me to yeah, really dig totally. in so
1: totally i feel like it's and it's just made me i mean yeah like the uh the entrepreneurial spirit right. like is fully alive and well and so you know one thing that well we just kind of sat down we we're like okay well what are some things that I, as Ben Queller can do, and, like, pro- what can I provide my fans yeah. right now, you know? And, um, and so we actually started doing, you know, and I, I get a lot of fans that, like, would love to just chat with me, whether it's about the music industry, because they're starting out, yeah. or just creatively, like, as a producer, like, they just want my ears for an hour, you know, or whatever it is. Um, so we started doing these, like, one-on-one hang sessions, like Zoom hangs, Mm -hmm. and so I've been doing a few of those a week, which has been really fun, and getting to know, like, a lot of my fans personally, Mm -hmm. and then I noticed that a lot of people were booking those, because, like, someone would be like, hey, like, it's my wife's birthday, so I want to book this one-on-one session, so we can, like, have, like, a birthday party, Mm -hmm. And, and then I would, like, sing, you know, a few songs for them, and for the birthday girl or whatever and then i realized holy shit like no one can have birthday parties yeah no so (laughs) i started doing these birthday songs on my website so you know just like trying to think of just different products that you know my fans respond to and it's been so fun
0: well the creative mind never sleeps apparently that's it dude Well, I'm looking forward to getting the new album. I'll tell you that. I appreciate you still doing what you do and staying true to it. Um, I've been a huge fan of your songwriting, like I said, probably since I first got that burn CD in a dorm room 20 years ago, you know? Yeah, dude! <laughs> So that was our recent interview with Ben Queller. If you haven't had a chance, go check out the new record, Circuit Boredom. Uh, it is available for order on vinyl, like we said, and probably hitting all the digital services soon. Now we're going to kick it over to the next interview with the Boston-based Americana group Town Meeting, again, who was recently our Elixir Strings Artist of the Month and who we also worked with on a really cool video project uh, with a QSC digital wireless mixer, too, the Touch Mix 16. So if you haven't seen those videos, head to our YouTube and give the interview a listen. Coming up. Uh, so we are here with uh, Tim from Town Meeting. Now, Tim, you are the band's lead guitarist, is that correct?
2: That's true. Yeah, I play lead guitar and mandolin.
0: Excellent. So that kind of brings up a really great point with the mandolin is... Town Meeting is this really cool... I'm going to describe it poorly. You can probably correct me. Town Meeting is this really cool mixture of like rock and Americana, um, but not in a really cliched way. And, and I'm not sure how to best describe your sound. So maybe you can help me out here.
2: Yeah, definitely. So um, I would say we definitely started as a roots Americana band. Um, we didn't have a drum set. We were primarily an acoustic driven band uh and then we went through a few member changes uh did a little shuffling uh russ one of the lead singers started playing the full drum set and we had lost our electric guitar player so that kind of shifted our sound because i had to jump on the electric guitar and kind of split my time between the mandolin and that yeah uh so it just kind of became this sonic thing that, uh, that we made when we made the last record make things better we just want to experiment with a lot of different sounds so
0: so can you tell us maybe a little bit uh, if we back up how the band originally formed and then we'll kind of get into the new record because I do want to talk about yeah. that because it's really great um, hopefully oh, thanks, we can drop in some it, audio clips and, and people can get a chance to listen to that or if they haven't already and this also brings up a great point um, we recently worked together on a couple video projects with the band we so did if you head to the performer youtube channel you'll see a couple of uh, examples of the band testing out uh, a qsc mixer which we can talk about and some elixir guitar strings which we can talk
2: uh, about that's
0: correct but, uh, but let's back up and talk about how the band kind of got started and in, in getting into the new record and everything sure yeah i'll,
2: I'll try to give you the condensed version <laughs> best i can so um you know if you don't know about us we are a band that was formed by a couple of brothers so luke and russ condon uh, initially had the idea of the town for town meeting um and started playing acoustic gigs um as a duo and then sometimes with uh, a conga player as well um, fast forward uh, i opened for them playing uh an acoustic show and they kind of wanted me to jump on the bass I hadn't had a bass at that time or anything like that long story short I ended up getting a bass and an amp that night given to me called them the next day and said hey I think I'm supposed to play bass in your band <laughs> um, so that so that happened and then uh their youngest brother Brendan joined and their father-in-law at the time um, Dean jumped on electric guitar and, and that's kind of how the band was birthed for a while. And we were this just kind of uh, family band, I yeah. guess uh, with me being the one, the one sort of outsider. Uh, it was a unique situation where Luke and Russ, um, both of, of their father-in-law
0: uh was this one guy dean he they had married sisters and so it was, oh, wow. was an interesting <laughs> kind so it's of a real idea. family affair this band
2: <laughs> yeah yeah it, it really was at that time so uh so that was kind of how it all came together um was you know just a, a couple of brothers that put a band together.
0: So let's talk about the new record. Um, I know we've previewed a couple of clips in the videos themselves, and I've had a chance to listen to the whole thing, and it's it's really great, top to bottom. Um, nice. What What's your guys' recording and songwriting process? Is there one primary writer in the group? Do you all kind of collaborate on that? Maybe you can give us uh, a good sense of what the creative uh, process is like for the group.
2: Sure, yeah. I'll, I'll start with songwriting and then kind of dive into recording. Great. Um, so This record, More Than Any, was a real collaborative effort. Um, There's very few songs that I would say one person wrote on this album, and and I can't really pull one off the top of my head. But uh, the beautiful thing about technology is we do a lot of sharing of, you know, voice recordings and and sound memos, texts to each other, uh, where someone might say, hey, I I have a couple of verses and a chorus, or hey, I've got this riff, or hey, you know, I have this idea. And then we get together and we we really kind of write as a as a team. Um, and I think more so on this record as opposed to previous ones where it may have been, you know, a couple guys would come in with, "Hey, I've got these three songs. I have these three songs. I have these. Let's go record those." Gotcha. Okay. So, so it's definitely a collaborative effort. Um, we did track this record in Boston with uh, Dan Cardinal at Dimension Sound Studios. Who, the man's a genius. Uh, he's worked with um, some bands that you may know. He's worked with Josh Ritter, Darling Side, Link Street Dive, um, Ballroom Thieves, to
0: name a few. And uh, it's a pretty good track record to have. <laughs> yeah, and, and so he he helped produce um, make things better, and
2: he actually made the record better through his <laughs> production. So, uh, yeah, we just have a lot of trust for Dan and a lot of respect for Dan and his opinion, and he really helped shape the songs. So,
0: question for you on a songwriting front. Um, you said that sure. the, the previous efforts have been more someone will come in with a song. Mm-hmm. This time around, um, you kind of, you're trading ideas and notes back and forth, and then you all get together to kind of shape that is there a version you prefer is this how you think the group is going to approach songwriting from here on out
2: so uh, i think this is where we're at our best right you know i I think that when you get a sum of all the parts as opposed to just one um you get that push and pull in songwriting where instead of when one person writes a song you you have one vision so there's there's that one path whereas this is you've got five guys coming together saying how can we make this the best thing that it can be and you know that it's it's not easy it certainly leads sometimes to disagreements or or little kind of quarrels among us but um but i believe that that's what makes the songs their best
0: now i mean this is the million dollar question um had you guys had touring plans in place uh behind the (laughs) record and yeah so you know
2: what what a year to release a new record yeah good timing guys friends who are in the same boat and we actually initially were going to release this record in early spring and tour pretty much the whole year if we could and as things kept getting pushed back and pushed back we finally just had to make the decision to release the record with the understanding that we can't tour it uh, we played in the summer as much as we could. We've kind of, you know, quarantined together um, and, and made the decision that we were just going to expose each other to ourselves. Well,
0: that's one of the only reasons we could have done the videos with you guys is mm-hmm. because um, you were all physically in the same space. Right, so it was yeah. easy for us to ship you a mixer and have, have you guys, you know, perform with it because you were all together. I think had we selected a different group and maybe they all lived in different parts of a town and weren't able to do that might have been a a little bit tougher
2: yeah you know it's it's such an interesting time but i think we just kind of look at it as an assumed job risk right so Mm -hmm. like i think of like the guys in the nba going into the bubble or the nfl right now (laughs) these guys kind of all saying you know what we know this is out there we're gonna take it very seriously but this is what our passion is this is what we do and ultimately we're not in this for our health so you had
0: your own little mini nba bubble going on
2: yeah (laughs) i'm kind of sort of the best we can
0: man so so a lot of bands are in the same boat right now i i guess the natural follow-up question is what do you do with those live dates are they postponed are they canceled outright are things kind of up in the air right now as far as live
2: dates go so so it's kind of a a grab bag mix of all of those things we had some dates that were straight up canceled we have some that are are pending um for next year, but some, you know, we're supposed to do, for example, a show with uh, Jacob Jolf band in Portland, Maine, at Port City Music Hall, and that venue shut down. So
0: per- permanently, or just just for now, it's shut down permanently. Oh boy, yeah. which yeah. is a
2: bummer because you know that's that's a great venue for that area, and Portland, Maine is such a great hub for music. Uh, so we've run into some of that, and then some things are reschedule and cross your fingers and hold your breath and hope that, you know, in 2021, they
0: happen. So are you guys, are, are you guys taking advantage of this time to write anymore? Or what's kind of the, the holding yeah, pattern for the band absolutely. right
2: now? So we, um, we actually, I'm not sure when this will air, but we were in the studio last weekend okay. uh, working so, on a new single. So
0: just was, anybody who's listening, this is right around Halloween 2020.
2: Yeah, there you go. Nice. <laughs> um, so we just went in, we tracked uh, kind of the, the bones of a new single, cool, and cool. that will hopefully be released in late winter, early okay. spring maybe, so, <laughs> tentatively. So
0: staying busy while the live stuff is kind of on hold.
2: Yeah, trying to as much as we can and just trying to think through what 2021 will look like.
0: Yeah. Uh, again, for those listening, uh, we also have a uh, election coming up in the States. We do. So uh, who knows when this airs, what the country's going to look like. <laughs> Hey, everybody, Uh, just cutting in here briefly to interrupt the interview. Um, Obviously, the election did happen, uh, so we're cutting out a portion of the interview that's uh, about that and probably irrelevant at this point um, since this was recorded several weeks back. So you're not missing anything important. Um, So let's jump right back into the interview where we left off. Thanks. oh boy 2021 who even wants to think about that um let's get back to some more positive things like like the music can can we get into a little bit more of the recording process because this album sonically um it's really i'm trying to think of the right word it's really sharp and and crisp and i think one of the hallmarks of, of working with like you said a producer who knows what they're doing it is bringing out the best in the band from uh, from a sonic perspective. So is there anything that you guys did differently, either from a miking standpoint or from a tracking standpoint, to kind of get the sound on this record that maybe you haven't done in, in previous uh, recording sessions?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I can speak to that. Um, you know, being, being the guy that plays electric guitar in the band, mm-hmm. I can tell you this record, more than any, we really we thought hard about guitar tones for each individual song. So everything from, you know, do we want to use a telly and get that twang? Or do you want a jangly strat tone here? Or, you know, when should we use something with humbuckers and go that route? Used a lot of different amp combos and pedal combos to to create those sounds. Um so we did take a hard look at that and then vocally um just a lot of layers. A lot of layers.
0: Hey, everybody, cutting into the interview again. I apologize. It was at this point that working from home uh, became a bit of an issue as my children decided to bounce into the room and make a lot of noise. Uh, So we had a good laugh. Uh, We got them shooed out of the room and then we continued on. So again, not missing much, but let's go back to the interview. I I will say from a a listener perspective and someone who's recorded vocals before, um, there's a real tightness to that, and and maybe that's due to the familial (laughs) relation, as it were, but that's something that really stands out, along with all the guitar tones, absolutely, but... Um, there's just a Christmas crispness, not a Christmas, a crispness to this yeah, record. This is a couple months
2: away. Yeah, you guys are yeah.
0: work on the Christmas album for me, will you? Um, yes. but there's a crispness to uh, the production that's really just refreshing because as a magazine we get sent a lot of indie records, and a lot of them are great. Um, but a lot of them were clearly done by people who maybe this is their first outing, they're doing it in a home project right. studio. They don't quite have the engineering or sonic chops to set a mic up properly or know how to layer vocals so they're not muddy in in kind of dirtying up the mix so you guys really you know job well done on this one
2: Um, thank you yeah all, all credit to dan cardinal over at dimension sound for for that vocal mix and just he's you know i would say if you live in new england or even if you don't he's he's got one of the the best studios
0: and what, that, what was the name of the studio that, again here
2: in boston yeah sure it's it's dimension
0: sound studios all right so yeah. if any of you out there in the new england area uh make it a point to look them up because um i know we've gotten records from there before i think you said like lake street lake street diving yeah. um who, who else did he work uh, with
2: Ball, ballroom feeds we've definitely, Ritter, we've definitely uh, got Josh Ritter Sumble, Records. Okay. Um, I mean, he's worked with a tremendous amount of bands, and and he's just, you know, he's he's the best of the best, in my opinion. Can't speak highly enough about him, and and I believe that's a big part of why this record sounds the way it does.
0: So that was our interview with Town Meeting. And before that, you heard a snippet of our longer interview with Ben Queller. Um, You can catch that in the latest print issue. Catch some video footage of Town Meeting up on our YouTube. And stay tuned for our Holiday Buyer's Guide, a special podcast episode coming soon, special video Holiday Buyer's Guide coming soon, and a special featured section on our website. So until then, uh, stay safe, be kind to one another, and we'll talk again soon.